This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Eric Branson, and with me, as always, is my friend and co-host, Joe Peterson. How's it going, it's Joe? It's going pretty well, yourself? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. And um, with us again this week as well, I'd like to introduce, um, I guess we never went over titles, but I'm going to say filmmaker John Pada. Um, welcome back to the Video Junkyard Podcast, John. Good to have you. Thank you for having me once again. And, and we never did discuss titles. What 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 do you what do you prefer? What do you go by? <laughs> um, filmmaker and uh, so I read Robert Rodriguez. Extraordinary Robert Rodriguez's uh, <laughs> Rebel Without a Crew. And like in the introduction, it's like just say you're a filmmaker. Just just say you're a filmmaker. And it's still I've been doing film for twelve years now, and it's still weird for me to be like, yeah, I'm a filmmaker. <laughs> so I got to take a lesson yeah. from the book. Yes, I am a filmmaker. Awesome. <laughs> I remember shortly shortly after graduating from from college, which I got a, my degree in cinema and photography, and getting business cards printed, and I had like the biggest case of like imposter syndrome getting like filmmaker yep. printed on my card. I just felt it was like the most pretentious thing, but I did it anyway, and I handed them to that... people. But it was I was never like a hundred percent comfortable, like you know, like people are gonna look at your business card and be like look you over and be like really filmmaker that is absolutely <laughs> who's this guy i think he is that's what rodriguez <laughs> says to do yeah. in his intro you know he yeah. said get yeah. business cards made up to say you're a filmmaker and now you can tell people you're a filmmaker so you did it eric yeah i, yeah, I haven't I, yet I, I, um, <laughs> I still use those business cards by the way so. as you should as you should <laughs> oh god well this week we're gonna so, be uh, continuing our discussion right of our uh, tales from the crypt films Yes, the 1990s Tales from the Crypt feature films based off of the popular HBO um, television series. We didn't mention last time, but there actually were some some prior Tales from the Crypt films yeah. made by Amicus Pictures yes. in the late 60s, I believe. 70, um, is 72? I don't know why 72, 72 comes yeah, early for, for the first one. Okay. I can't remember. That sounds about right, but yeah, they did they did a Tales from the Crypt film in Vault of Horror, which is another one of e- EC's mm-hmm. um, horror comics. But anyway, we're not talking about those. <laughs> talking about the 90s Tales from the Crypt um, feature films, which were Demon Knight, which we talked about last week, and all shared our fond memories of that one. And we're going to dive into the subsequent film, which is, oh man, I don't have a... Year ninety six. Yep. Edit that one out. Yeah, nineteen ninety six's Bordello of Blood. From a secret grave in a distant land, Hell's Madam has risen again, and now she's back in business at 
the bordello of blood. Where customers go in. Evening, boys. This is deep. But they don't come out. Mr. Gutman, have you found my brother yet? He and a friend of his evidently went to a local brothel. Are you ready? Welcome to a new chapter in terror. At least now she'll know what's eating him. She is. <laughs> Lucy, I'm home. Let's party. Sorry, I'm Mexican for lunch. I'm gonna take you for a test ride. You know, you make it sound really enticing. From Universal Pictures. It's holy water, man. Dennis Miller. You are right here. Cha-ching. Tales from the Crypt presents Bordello of Blood. This summer. No! Looking cool tonight, man. You must know Mickey Rourke, huh? Evil bites. Go for it. <laughs> Which is a little bit of a different experience for me than than Demon Knight, but um Yeah. Yeah, me so too. me too. <laughs> this this one yeah, this one never really had a strong connection. I I mean and I, and I mentioned this. I know you and I were talking about this. I mentioned this before, but this is one that I, 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 I have a. So my DVD copy has both Demon Knight and Bordello of Blood on it, and I, yeah, I don't here. watch the same this pack. one much. Mm-hmm. I never did, and every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. I just don't. It doesn't have the pull for me that Demon Knight has. Yeah, I would completely. Agree. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Before we get too deep into it, let me get you a little synopsis here of Bordello of Blood. After her troublemaking brother Caleb goes missing, Catherine Catherine Bordeaux seeks the... I don't even know if that's how you say her name. Anyway, (laughs) seeks the service of a sarcastic private investigator, Rafe Gutman, to track the errant youth down. Rafe eventually determines that Caleb is in the thrall of Lilith, a powerful vampire who operates a seedy brothel. When when Rafe and Catherine set out to rescue Caleb, they must contend with the lethal Lilith and her evil minions. Okay, so great another great synopsis there. So. No it's, mercenaries. Though. It's it's but. no mercenaries. It also doesn't talk about the super church. Yeah. But I yeah. would say yeah. that that's a pretty accurate mm-hmm. synopsis. You know, I feel like yeah. Yeah, it, this one's a little more yeah, a little more accurate than yes. Demon Knight one was last. It doesn't doesn't make it sound very exciting, but it does the job, I guess. Yeah, uh, you know, I think yeah. this one could be. We, we talked last time about you know, is Demon Knight really a, a Tales from the Crypt type story? Mm-hmm. This one mm-hmm. feels a a a little bit more maybe it's just the production quality of this one felt a little bit more like a tales from the crypt episode mm. in a way um now, i was gonna say see, i i wrote down and feel like it is even less so well like in, just like, just in the ways. filmmaking like, perspective not in in the story or okay. the themes hmm. or anything but just like the the style the I, visual style of i it. did notice that it, that i feel like this movie looks cheap in ways that demon knight never does yeah like, uh, and not that that's necessarily bad, but it just looks like low budget, cheap in places. And Demon Knight, you know, what we we talked about last week had a relatively low budget, all things considered, and never. I don't feel like that ever really showed. And this actually has um, the same budget. This was thirteen million. Okay. Yep. 
so yeah they um yeah i think i wrote down like this this looks like full moon cheap sometimes like (laughs) parts of it and uh not that everything's bad because it's not it um it just yeah it has that kind of like cheapy b-movie feel to it um the filmmakers and the producers like our whole list of you know hollywood big shot producers that were behind the tales from the crypt series and these movies um did say that their inspiration for this was like 70s um exploitation films so we're talking the boobs and blood vampires of late hammer and um you know um twins of evil etc etc the and i think they actually nail that kind of Mm -hmm they get the atmosphere of that like pretty pretty right on the nose but again i have this big issue with it not really fitting the brand of tales from the crypt because it just lacks that kind of i don't know not that tales from the crypt never did anything that was like exploitation filming because sure they they certainly did and and um you know some of the episodes but yeah, I don't know. It just felt it doesn't feel like a, a Tales from the Crypt movie to me again. You could you could cut those like we said about Demon Knight. You could cut the beginning and end Crypt Keeper pieces off, and you just have this totally different movie. And that, but it's not to say that I don't find anything about this like good or interesting because there's certainly some good stuff. I think the humor in this tends to work pretty well. Uh, Dennis Miller turns in a performance that's actually pretty solid which is weird but <laughs> well he just kind of i actually find yeah. him to be funny and and a likable yeah know, he's dennis un- miller the whole movie he's just he's just dennis miller this is quip after quip after quip and i, I actually yeah. did jot down on my notes I'm like i think if we would go through and tally up every one of his little snide joke comments only about 10 to 15 percent of them actually land yeah, I think there are some good lines. No, yeah. There are some good he lines, but it's it's just a lot too. of snark, snark, snark. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's I mean, that's, that's what he what does. He does. Right. Um, one of the cool things I There's did a... find about this is that you know we, we mentioned last time about you know the you know Bob Gale and, and Robert Zemeckis mm-hmm. putting tales and the Crypt together. Mm-hmm. They wrote this story in the seventies. Yes. Yes. And they yeah. tried getting it made. <laughs> this has been around since the seventies. So the idea of like a vampire brothel thing. They. Yeah. It. They took it to John Milius, and it, it didn't get, you know, they ended up doing something else instead. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't supposed to originally be one of the Tales from the Crypt things. Um, and one of the things, when they were looking for another Tales from the Crypt movie after Demon Knight, they looked into From Dust Till Dawn. Mm. Which mm-hmm. I have some notes about. There's some watching. similarities. Yes. They yes. also looked at yeah. uh, Peter Jackson's The Frighteners huh. as a potential Tales from oh. the Crypt movie. Huh. Uh, which could have worked, but then they they the reason that they went with this one, apparently DreamWorks was trying to get Robert Zemeckis, and oh, so okay. they said, "Hey, we'll make your bordello of a blood movie at Universal if you stay here <laughs> no with the studio." That's amazing. <laughs> and of course, it changed drastically. We'll make your vampire hooker. Movie. Yeah, which I think originally the um, the character of Catherine was supposed to be a mm-hmm. former porn star. Hmm. And she, okay. um, Erica Aleniak, who, who plays that character, mm-hmm. she was originally on Baywatch. She had left Baywatch because yeah. uh, she wanted to start doing more acting and being taken more seriously as an actress and not just, you know, eye candy. And so then she's like, wait, you want me to be in this movie where I'm a former porn star? No. So she, they rewrote it for that. Wow. Um, huh. And I guess there's... I can't see nothing. I mean, yeah. I, I, I really hate cutting down on people 
in general, but I can't see Erica Butcher Eliniac being that good of a draw or that great of an actress that you would seriously write your script to get her in your movie. I probably just would have said, you know, next. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, they I there's, know. I guess, also a scene. Maybe she's a face because of Baywatch, the popularity I of that. Think but so. I feel like this is kind of apt. Well, no, it's not after that. I guess it's right in the middle of that being a phenomenon. Yeah, but I guess there's also a cut scene where Rafe finds a picture of her from her youth when she was this huge plus-size model. Yep. And there's a poster hmm. on, okay. or no, she was. I think I think the poster. There's a poster in his office because there's a line in the movie where he says like, "You look familiar. Do I know you?" It's okay. because yeah, it's does. because he has the porn that she was in. Like okay. I think they still they edited a lot of it out. Around, but I think in the background it. the poster shows okay. or something like that. Or she sees the poster. Something she sees like, a yep, poster yep, or something, something like and that. she yep. storms out like, oh, you're a pig yeah. or something yep. like that. So, yeah, they had to change a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, But this does have some fun stars in it. Corey Feldman is yep. fun yeah. in this. Chris Sarandon, who plays the megachurch yep. preacher, yep. is great. Mm-hmm. He's, He's great. great in any vampire movie. Yep. Um, the dude that plays the, like, um, I forget what his name Jenkins. is. Jenkins. They're, like, they're Jenkins. Like, Fuck Jenkins. yes. Yeah. Jenkins. He, dude, that is his performance. Oh, my God. This I fucking just... love it. Kim Con... Con... Wait, what is his name? Kim Cod Rashoff. Dude, yeah. Jenkins steals this show for me. Like, I oh, love he, that character. He plays this like Chris Farley plays characters, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's almost. Like... I love that character. Oh my god, <laughs> the best. And I crack. Like, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I am rolling on the floor at that character, and it just doesn't make any sense. Like, from a creative standpoint, like why that decision was made, but it works. It's funny, and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I love it. He he, he is <laughs> single handedly my favorite thing about this movie. Three twenty five. <laughs> The best god <laughs> I will say that. Oh god. So yeah. Sarah and I uh occasionally will after you know we'll, we'll sneak out of work a little early if we can and we'll go grab a drink or something, you know, before we go. Oh wait, where's this going? We're on the I, I know, I know. <laughs> And one time we, we kinda got out of work early and we went to uh, a local kind of bar and grill here in Oshkosh, varsity yeah. club. Um, and uh their their food it's bar food's pretty good pretty cheap and we were there on a friday during their fish fry and we happened to notice like oh this is one of the better fish fries we've had in town and both of us at the bar stuck going best goddamn fish fry <laughs> <laughs> it's like the most quotable you could really apply from... that to anything uh, no, right? just, and uh. of course like they're looking at us like, what the fuck are they talking about but yeah that and he just kind of keeps getting worse and worse oh throughout the it's film. so great um yeah and then uh also Oh God! Um, what is his name? Uh, the 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 Undertaker in this. You're right. Um, yes. Uh, Phil. Yep. What is his name? Padonico? No, 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 that's no. that's uh, that's Vincent, the archaeologist. Oh, yes, yeah, 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 right. Um, I'm looking at the IMDb. I should know this right now. Yeah, I think it's um, is it, is it Noonan? Noonan or something? Noonan. Anyway, he is. Um, he's from uh, last thing I saw him in was Clockwork Orange. Oh sure! Oh gosh, he's also oh, in Dreamcatcher. Okay. Yep. Yeah, he's Godzilla. the um, he's the parole officer for Alex Delarge in Clockwork Orange. Wow. Okay. He's and been around. He's the guy who's <laughs> doing weird things to the bodies and yeah, he, there, he's good. Great, he's good. I was going to say creepy scenes I, in this. I think I wrote down the most disturbing, like the closest this gets to being like scary or disturbing is his scene with him molesting that corpse. The autopsy. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
or not, not even the autopsy. Like, he's he's prepping it for yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah. yeah. Aubrey yeah. Morris, that's his yeah, name. I, Aubrey Morris. I called it the autopsy scene, but like it, I think that 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 stands as the most disturbing scene in this entire film. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he's got some great lines there. You know, the, the scene, this movie does have some good scenes. But the super soaker scene, where they're where, oh yeah, that's you know, classic. Playing like, ballroom. There's play. some stuff in here that's good, like really really great, but it's it's a different kind of great than Demon Knight. Like this is this is very like silly fun. Um, over the top like obviously you're not playing a scene where you know they break into a vampire whorehouse with super soakers filled with holy water for like serious horror i mean this is supposed to be funny right. and um i think the tone is so so drastically different from which is which is fine i think it should be in this kind of a thing if you're really presenting it like tales from the crypt it's a different story it's got a different tone it's just got the little like thing with the keys kind of tying it together but um, it's just not as solidly, like, all the way through as great of a film. And, and I think a lot of it comes down to what John was saying about Demon Knight last week, and that's that it just gives you this really rewarding, like, really rich kind of mythology and, and, and story to it. This doesn't really, although, although they've named her Lilith, right? So she, yep. you know obviously has a a biblical, like, you know, background, and they've given her the key. So you can kind of tie it to, to Demon Knight in that way. But it's just not as rewarding in that sense like it doesn't have that deep mm-hmm. like rooted mythology to Cause it because with demon knight you know really we're we're still getting story in breaker's final moments you know when he yep. hands a key off to Geraldine, mm-hmm. and so we're still finding out about this overarching story with bordello you gotta get everything in the first 20 minutes and yep. then you're just waiting yep. for the pieces to just fall Right. And, you know, so I, I think it does severely lack that. One of my biggest complaints about this, and uh, I've, I've echoed this many times, is Angie Everhart as mm. Lilith mm-hmm. in this. It's just very <laughs> yeah. hard to sit through her, I, I don't know if we'd call it a performance. It's just, she, it's pretty bad. I remember hating it more than I did this time, and I think just, like, kind of being a little more like understanding of what this movie is all of a sudden helped me kind of like all of a sudden I wasn't critiquing the acting as much or I wasn't um she's fine she gets through it <laughs> like uh um she's never really that convincing or threatening um but I mean I don't know if she was supposed to be too much um yeah yeah I, I just that the, the her her life. I'm not gonna go, go to bat for her and say she's a great it, actress, just, but like, yeah, I, it's strange because there's some really good performances. Like Dennis Miller's good in this, and you know everybody else, they're hamming it up in an appropriate way. But her, it's just like over the top. <laughs> I also yeah, and I'm not sure how much acting she really did. One of her first, time. right? Like she she was dating yeah. producer or or mm-hmm. something like that, I believe, and that's how she got this. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I I actually think both her and Rafe Dennis Miller's characters they're both just overwritten for mm-hmm. me, and you know where it's like okay. everything yeah. they both say has to be punny and has to be a quip, mm-hmm. and it just it's <laughs> yeah I get so exhausted, and I think yeah. with the fact that she's not very convincing to begin with, and then yeah. she's supposed to be delivering these funny lines, but I'm just kind of like just please just move on, it just yeah I can't do it. 
Like I, I, I do think Dennis Miller does do a good job playing Dennis Miller. You know, yeah. basically. Yeah, I was gonna say he's not. He he's does. not no, acting outside no, but, the box, really. But yeah. But but I do. I mean, you made that comment earlier. But if you write down all of his his jokes, maybe ten to fifteen percent land. I was just kind of like, please, just let him just be a normal person from time to time instead yeah. of having him be that that yeah. that like sassy asshole. It yeah. just got old to me. Yeah, it, it does. It yeah. gets old. It gets. It wears pretty thin, pretty fast. Um, There's little funny things in here that work really well for yeah. me. Yeah. Like um, Jenkins at the bar is always eating raw meat and drinking Bloody Marys. Yes. Which for some reason to me is hilarious, just because vampire yeah. dude drinking Bloody Marys. Um, the Gutman uses the term decovnian. Oh, before I got a note on that too. Says vampires, which I love. Like, well, then, <laughs> just like, ha, that's then great. not only does he say uh, a decovnian <laughs> theory, but his little like quick like, this is what I'm actually thinking was written exactly like a Fox Mulder yeah. bit. It was perfect, yeah. and I'm a huge X Files fan. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah, same here, and. Yeah, I mean, but some of it's some of it's lazy, and I wonder how much of it is just like, okay, we have Dennis Miller, like let's let him kind of do his thing. Well, um, I it almost seems like he was kind of let loose on some of it, rather than I don't know. If, if you're right and they wrote all that down verbatim, then yes, he's very overridden. I'm not sure how sure. much. Sure, yeah, that, that actually like, that's a good point. I shouldn't say because there. I mean, I don't know if you guys know, but there is like a. This is a very infamous role for Dennis Miller that mm-hmm. he was impossible to work with, yeah. and. Was, oh yeah, I mean, I you know, it was like, being <laughs> I'm you're, I'm not going to give you eight hours. I'm going to give you three hours in the day, and we got to get all my scenes, and I'm leaving. And so I, you're right, he wasn't overwritten because he didn't stick to script at all. He just went like for whatever he wanted to say. Yeah. And so yeah, I guess he's not overwritten. He's too much. That's yeah. I guess that's a better well, way just, that I would Dennis put it. Miller. I mean, yeah. I kind of get the impression, and from what I've read elsewhere, this is that's just kind of how he is on things. And he hasn't yep. done many movies. Yeah. Right. Right. You he's know, difficult to work with. He has yeah. his own. He I don't, does he still have a show? I don't know if he has a show. No, I don't even know. I know he he had his you know conservative talk radio show for a yeah, while, and then right. I guess kind of thought better of being aligned with some of the more current political. Yeah, the last stuff I've read about him kind of retired, kind of backed off. Like, <laughs> he's I guess he just recently had a new comedy special out, but he's just keeping it pretty apolitical and mm. just being Dennis Miller again, like he was in the nineties back when he was yeah. somewhat funny but you know I, I then again when when you're doing a weekend update on center at live for years you're always going to be doing topical humor. yeah that's just kind of yeah. how they pick them mm-hmm. but you know i i remember and, being kind of surprised when he was in this because i knew who he was but i hadn't seen him in a lot of movies or anything and this seemed like an odd choice mm-hmm. and as a kid you know when you know his little lines here and there were funny mm-hmm. and every, but then going back yeah and, yeah a lot of them were just kind of forced and it's it's him just like oh you want me to show up and just be an asshole I can do that yep um, yep <laughs> you know I, I but then again you got Corey Feldman in this who's hamming it up in every scene and it's a blast and oh, I like great. I like him yeah. a lot in this I and do too. yeah I think I actually one of my notes is that I feel like the first like ten to fifteen minutes I can't remember how long it actually is I think is a really great setup mm-hmm. where we have that cold yeah. open where they retrieve the heart or you know they put the heart back in lilith and stuff and i like that it starts where you think it's just a cold open then we go into the crypt keeper thing but you actually find out that that was like a prelude to right. the film you know i like how they did that and they kind of set everything up it was very basic you knew what mm-hmm. you needed to know and then all the bits with Corey feldman where he goes out you know he has a problem with his sister goes out they find out about the cunningham wake 
and all of that i mm-hmm. on this watch i was like hell yeah okay like yeah, it's all very like i'm good so i'm feeling really good about this and then i guess it's i don't know if this is a coincidence but it's just like once rafe gets brought in you know to that storyline yeah. and everything it just loses its steam for me not in a horrible way it didn't crash and burn it just deflated once they start putting yeah. in the, the, the megachurch stuff is when yeah. I start feeling like it's going. And I like Chris Sarandon in this right. as a character. It just doesn't, he doesn't fit in it. I wish yeah, they overly. I wish they would have done more with that. There was some real like some real solid like well thought out criticisms of the concept of megachurches going on there, and I feel like they just never went far enough with it. Like they really could have hit it home. They actually kind of redeemed the character, which I didn't like. Um, sure. I don't know. I wanted to see him get his cub up. It's for being a sleaze bag, right? Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So I just thought like the the, the laser thing, and it, it was it was mm-hmm. pretty. I don't know. That was rolling. a really odd kind of. You know how sometimes sometimes like it feels like they're not sure. Like they have this great concept for a movie, right? They've probably been batting around since the seventies. They had all these ideas, but they probably never thought about like how exact who the characters are that function within it right. and like how it ends yeah right like and i feel like that like laser gun mega church you know big mechanical satan like a, you know the, the the laser that cuts across <laughs> so it perfectly cuts her heart into four like it just it, it seems lazy yeah like it's just like well we don't know how to end this thing so let's I- and a laser gun. <laughs> Especially when... when yeah, laser guns. Right? How they transition to get to that church. Where all of a sudden... Uh, is it Catherine? What is... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Catherine. She's like, yeah, Catherine, we got to yeah. broadcast this out to the world. We got to get to the studio so that we can film this. It, yeah. I, I, I don't mind the idea of the laser being the weapon that defeats Lilith in the end. If we would have gotten there in a more organic kind of yeah. cohesive way it just felt so forced yeah well yeah i mean when they introduce it you know it's yes. like the most obvious foreshadowing yeah like, we have a laser we it burns crosses and things oh yeah in a vampire movie this won't be useful yeah, yeah exactly you know yeah. right yeah. so yeah for too much uh foreshadowing a little heavy-handed now that said <laughs> i do like the final moment in this film quite a bit where they uh rafe and and catherine leave the the funeral home and they get in the car mm-hmm. and, oh, yeah. and you know and he's like oh what's that perfume on you you know and she says that it's sunscreen and then the reveal that she's been bit on the mm-hmm. thigh and stuff i thought that was a nice moment like that moment felt like how a tales from the crypt episode could end yep but everything mm-hmm. else no <laughs> you know yeah didn't. well yeah and Lilith ends up turning into a creature that is very reminiscent of our demon knight demons sure so like that's there's like little things like that. Like if you have seen Demon Knight, then you can pick up on these little like things that are connected. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it's yeah, not really. Yeah, the key is in it and all that. And, and I, 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 I really like the key story, like we talked about in the Demon Knight episode, and the fact that they just smash the key, and then you know, I mean, this was an ill-fated film. There wasn't a third piece that came out. Yeah. Except for yeah, this was this one was ritual, so. Ritual, um, yeah not well received that they didn't even make the other yep. one so and, and i was and i did see this one in the theater because i like demon knight so much and i remember even then when they destroyed the key i was kind of like but that's what i want to see in the next one like i want to know more I kept about expecting this it to come back yeah. honestly like there was something that was going some function it was going to serve or that the, the, the the heroes of the film were going to have to track it down sure. and somehow make it work yep. again or something like that 
And no, no, it just laser guns instead. Yeah. It's a 90s thing. <laughs> well, apparently, I mean, but, it, the film didn't do very well. I mean, it, it grossed $5.6 million. Yeah. And it didn't mm-hmm. help that Dennis Miller was telling people not to go see it. Yeah. Which is kind of typical. And yeah, it has, you know, it's developed a, it has a fan base. Um, I think it's still, it, it's a functional, like, it, it's a really silly kind of fun movie. Mm-hmm. If you want to just put something on in the background that, yeah, it's, it, it serves its purpose. It's not a great example of Tales from the Crypt. And, and like we said, Demon Knight isn't really either, but Demon Knight is a great movie on its own. Like, it just, yeah. you know, this one's not really. But it's also, like, I wouldn't steer people away Agreed. from it 100%. It's, you know, it is what if it is. If a friend said to me, like, I, let's watch Bordello of Blood, I wouldn't say no. Right. I'd be like, okay, yeah. am I it's... gonna go out of my way to watch it again? I'd be on my phone a lot, probably. <laughs> you know? There is a certain bit of appeal that this had, and, 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 and I would feel amiss without pointing this out a little bit, being the age I was when this oh, came yes. out. This has a very large amount of female nudity yes, in it. Yes. Uh, for an R-rated film, and so that there's that certain appeal. Like I think I used the term "boobs and blood" like four times in the last episode. I, it actually applies much better to this one because that is literally the mantra of this movie. Like probably that's you know how they kind of came up with this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so it's got like that being that that's what it is. It's got this kind of vintage exploitation. So they were super successful at like hitting that if that's what they were going for because supposedly that was their influence. Um, they could have just used a little more work on making the story and the characters a little more compelling. Um, either that or really doubled down on the violence and, and nudity. Right. <laughs> because it's just somewhere in between. Like, <laughs> Would would you guys um, think that this is gorier than Demon Knight? Because I felt like it was. Um, yes, yeah. I think it yeah. is. In, in a lot of ways. Like, I don't think any of the, any of the violence is as... as taken as seriously or like so so like when it happens in demon knight not that it's super serious in demon knight because demon knight's also very funny but um yeah this it's it's just got a little bit different tone yeah like uh this is this is very silly we're seeing like you know super soakers full of holy water eating through vampires and blowing them up um, blowing them up while they're listening to ballroom blitz yeah Yeah. all that's playing and yeah there's there's definitely more of a of a you know kind of a, a tongue in cheek thing here, but and and I you said you were gonna get into this. I, I'd love to get into it though. Um, it, it's kind of like yeah, but but from dusk till dawn did it all better. <laughs> yeah, well, right. Yeah, well, yeah and yeah. they came out the same year. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, yep. what this was. I got it written down here. So dusk till dawn came out in January, and Bordello of Blood came out in August. And there were a few things throughout the film that kind of made me, you know be like hmm, they got some similarities because really you got the bordello and you got the the restaurant bar you know where it's like yep. this feeding ground for female vampires and stuff like that and this when the super soakers came out that was when i was like ooh, two vampire movies where we're using super soakers and or water balloons full of holy water and the vampires mm-hmm. i think were exploding in a very similar fashion yep. and there were definitely moments where i was just like wow I'm I'm amazed that these movies came out months apart from each other. Same, yeah. Well, yeah, and well, and it, it I didn't realize it from Dust Till Dawn was because I saw these all on video, you know, years later. I don't know in what order, but I didn't realize that it was prior to this movie. So that really hurts this movie's credibility, I think, a lot because it's such a superior film with the same kind of premise yeah. and uses a lot of same, you know, the same things. But 
Well, and you know, like I said before, um, From Dust Till Dawn was being shopped around when this was too. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And they both, I mean, they crossed the same hands at yeah. one point. So hmm. I, I wonder if there's some connection in in the writing. Did somebody do punch up on it or something like right. that? Because yeah, you, you know, in in both cases, I mean, there's the classic Cheech Marin scene in From Dust Till Dawn where he's advertising. Right? Yep, yep, it's, yep. It's yep, a brothel yep, as well. Yep. yep. And it's a brothel truck stop thing in Mexico, and then there's yep, yeah, yep. yeah. They they both have a hawker of yeah. Sorts, I mean, like... Cheech Marin and Jenkins, <laughs> those characters are kind of <laughs> the same. Yeah. I'd much rather hang out with Jenkins. I'm just gonna. Throw oh it. yeah. <laughs> well, I'd rather hang out with Cheech Marin. His character, I'd go with Jenkins. Yeah. 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 But but I think I think I mean, from Dustal Dawn is easily one of my favorite '90s horror films too. You know, and yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. love yeah, that here. film. Yeah. And to put these two, Bordello of Blood and From Dust Till Dawn, up against each other, it's not even fair. You know? I mean... Yeah, no. I, I, comparing them, there's not even yeah. a... Like, no. And again, both yeah. of them, you know, using a, a, a well-known supermodel as, like, this head vampire. She's ancient. Right, absolutely. Thing. Selma Hayek did it way Oh, my better. God. And Selma Hayek, so much better yeah. in every way. Yeah. Like, and you know, she only has, like, a few lines... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I wasn't even necessarily talking about her lines. But, you know, <laughs> the lines are better for the few she has. She doesn't call anyone lover. Right. Yeah. Yes. She yeah. says that she's going to make George Clooney into a dog that licks the shit off her boots, which is pretty badass, you know? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, she's, yeah, she's a great character that doesn't take a lot of lines. It's the opposite of Lilith in this movie who gets to talk a lot and you never get any sense of character from her. It's Which like... is a real shame because the idea of, of bringing Lilith into mm-hmm. a vampire mythology is really cool. Mm-hmm. And you you can mm-hmm. you could do that in some really interesting ways rather than just uh, ancient, sexy, red, you know, red-haired vampire yeah. and she's Lilith just because she's Lilith. No, there's there's a mythology there mm-hmm. that you could explore that would be really really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I when I was watching this, I was doing a little bit of reading about the film, and you know how you you click and click and click and kind of go down mm-hmm. an internet rabbit hole, and I started reading about like the Lilith mythology. I'm like, what a wasted opportunity. Right. I mean, yeah. that's that's some freaky shit right mm-hmm. there, and it wouldn't it's not a long stretch. To I, I'd be shocked if somebody hasn't done that. You know better than this film Perhaps, somewhere yeah i can't think of one off the top of my head but yeah, yeah. i don't know we, there, well this kind of goes to what you and brian and i were talking about a few weeks ago eric about you know when, when we did the, the prophecy and, and jacob's ladder and stuff like that um mm-hmm. you know the and what we talked a little bit about with with demon knight and this kind of like judeo-christian mythology and, and religious concepts in horror films um you don't see much of that anymore and when it when it was popular, it was mostly angels and demons. Mm-hmm. But yeah. getting into some of these, especially like in in kind of you know uh, Hebrew mythology, you know, where I think Ryan's the one who brought like, where's our movie about a fucking golem? Sure, you know, and and Lilith oh, yeah, falls right. in with that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it it be it's it's a missed opportunity now. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see the original '70s script. Yeah, to this movie. That's yeah, and, and yeah. I think it'd be interesting. And I think I think going with the missed opportunity aspect, this is one of the few vampire movies I can think of where the star David gets brought up. You know, because when Dennis Miller's going in to, yeah. uh, oh, to, <laughs> I thought it was going to be a cross. Yeah, you know, and and 
I did kind of like that it brought in this other aspect of it. It's like, oh yeah, well, okay, so why is the cross the only symbol? Yeah, why of wouldn't that religion? be a problem? Yeah, you know. So I especially thought, especially considering Lilith is a yes. Jewish mythological creature, yeah. why wouldn't? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I I was hoping it was going to go somewhere other than just being like, oh, we're putting a funny little spin on crosses and what you thought this was going to be. Yeah, I mean. The last, the only other film I can think of that really kind of went down that area was uh, Troll Hunter. Oh yeah, oh and you uh, know, oh, yeah. big fan of Troll Hunter. <laughs> which, which they they yes poke fun at that kind of you know these little rules about monsters and yes. certain religious yes. imagery. And what was it? Something about like he's um, uh, one of the one of the characters was was Muslim, I think. And they were like, does it does that affect? Him? I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah, you know? right, right. I mean, you know, it just kind of. <laughs> Yeah, we don't see much of that. It's you know, vampires are always cross. It's always a cross. Well, why wouldn't a star of David yeah. affect them? Yeah, I would think it would too. Right? Isn't it just the whole concept of faith? I don't know. Yep. I don't. I don't yep. think they put that much thought into it. And, no. And that's unfortunate because yeah, that's no. not a huge thing to nitpick. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty pretty easy to notice and think about. So. And and I think and you just said they didn't put much thought into it. And I think maybe that's my overall feeling on this is that this could have been a really satisfying movie if they mm-hmm. would have just put a little mm-hmm. bit more attention to everything. Yeah. And yeah. And there there's a there's a fun foundation here. Mm-hmm. And they just I do wonder too if with uh, Demon Eye being ninety five and this being ninety six, if they just rushed into it to try to get the next yeah. movie out. Yeah. And well, I'd read that they wanted to do it. One every year, like oh, okay. boom, 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 boom. All right. Yeah, so there was probably some like speed to. Yeah, I mean, I, I that would lend it. The, the, a lot of the things we picked up on, like the kind of, it looks a little bit, a little bit more like a cheaper movie. Um, some of the performances are questionable. Um, I mean, all of that would suggest that perhaps yeah. they didn't have the amount of time that they had to do Demon Knight. But. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, the soundtrack's good. We brought yeah. the soundtrack yeah. for, for Demon Knight. The soundtrack's pretty good. You've got you know Anthrax and Scorpions and Thin Lizzy and Cinderella and Humble Oh yeah, Thin Lizzy was it? Because I was just trying to think. I was like, really, the only song that stands out to me is Ballroom Blitz. Yeah, from but, Sweet. Yeah, but yeah, Thin Lizzy's. I was trying to remember yeah. like anything that was mm-hmm. used effectively. But yeah, Ballroom Blitz is the only one I can remember. So, so in that sense, I'm gonna say I think I enjoy Demon Knights more. But there's certainly some good mm-hmm. songs on it. I think yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's got its moments. I still think that the super soaker scene is good, and I now you know, kind of seeing also how it's in you know a superior film. Maybe you said I like seeing vampires kill with super soakers. I don't care what movie it's in. It's just a strong sequence, I think. Yeah, right. You know, like it's fun. We're seeing we're seeing our our two protagonists go in to kick some vampire ass, and there's boobs everywhere. There's blood exploding with an awesome song. <laughs> you know, like. That's the one that I almost feel like that scene was handled the whole way the film should have been handled. Yeah. Well, and it's yeah. kind of fun to see yep. Chris Sarandon like getting into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. He is he's with like them too. Really getting yes, into I it forgot too. That like he he's, was you can see he's too. getting joy out of doing yeah. this, which is kind of ironic considering he was also in a superior in, vampire film. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I, in in a lot of ways, that is a like classic scene. If you could just take that scene out of this, you know, yep. out of the rest of this film, it's it's very enjoyable and it's really well done. But yeah, the whole film doesn't maintain that standard. No. And I, you know, and I agree with John. The setup for the film's great. Like if you were written written this thing a little bit different direction, it 
could have been a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think? Should we uh, should we grade this one? Yeah, we should. <laughs> We're all so <laughs> eager to do so. <laughs> so, John, what do you think? So, I've never disliked this movie. Mm-hmm. I've always thought it was fine. It's got some good stuff. It's got a lot of stuff I don't like about it. On this rewatch, I would say I I enjoyed it more than I thought I would, but I still I have no ambition to ever watch it again. Mm-hmm. I'd probably <laughs> give this one a C minus. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't. It's not awful, but it's nowhere near good. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Eric, what do you think? Yeah, I'm kind of going to echo that again. I I, I would say a C. I think there's enough here to that's that's fun and it's it's watchable um but yeah it's certainly not essential viewing for anyone even tales from the crypt fans because it doesn't really have anything to do with it other than the crypt mm-hmm. keeper appearing at the beginning and the end um can't really call it a good one it's got some stuff in it that's worth seeing if anything just jenkins hell but, yeah and the super soaker scene i take my minus <laughs> but... away for jenkins we're at a solid c <laughs> we are at a solid c now <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, especially if you were to sit down and watch Demon Knight and then follow it up with it, it's always going to be disappointing. So that, yeah, C is the best I can do. And that's, I don't hate it, but I don't love it either. Yeah, I think I'd go with a solid just midline C on it, too. Um, The fact that we're all kind of equally saying, it's fine, is something right there. You know, like, it's not great. It's not even, like, good. It's just fine. It's a movie that exists, and it's, it's tolerable to sit through. There's enough stuff in it, like Jenkins, that, <laughs> and the super soaker scene, and 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 ten percent of Dennis happen... Miller's lines that make it yeah. like if if you could distill it down to that, and you've got what essentially is a YouTube clip, it's fine. But yeah, if you happen to be a fourteen-year-old boy, however, yeah, absolutely, maybe this will be a little more up your absolutely. alley because I I remember it being a little more of a. No pun intended. Actually, pun totally intended. Titillating film at that age. Yes. Yeah. Um, then, then now I, I'm a little less impressed by those things. Although I'm always the one that brings it up. I mean, maybe I should get psychoanalyzed. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you do it. Go ahead. I mean, I, I, you know what? I did want to mention that this was the first introduction I ever had to Angie Everhart, and it was hearing some friends from school just go on and on and on about her again, like you know, 14 year old boy yeah. stuff. And then I watched this movie, and I was so turned off by how horrible she was in it. I was just kind of like, she's all right. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's Whatever. always kind of been my attitude towards it. But, hey, I mean, each to their own, right? Yeah. So it's, you know, so. And I actually, I think, Eric, you mentioned if you were to watch this after Demon Knight, when I, this mm-hmm. week when I decided to revisit these for the podcast, I watched this first. I watched Bordello first. Oh, so did I, because it's that order on the DVD. Oh! <laughs> Wait. For some reason, I don't know why. Like my my double feature DVD, it's like Bordello, Blood, Demon Knight. Like so, they like put them in alphabetical order it's, or something. It's I don't funny know because idea, but... this is a conversation that was had at home when I Sarah likes she loves Demon Knight. I was hoping to get her on the show too for mm. that episode, but I was like, so which one should we watch tonight, Demon Knight or Bordello, Blood? She's like, well, you know, you want to watch Demon Knight first, and I said, yeah, it's just because you like it. She goes, no, because you're a fucking purist and it came out first, so you have to watch it first. So I'm the only one who watched it in order. Well, and and the only reason I did that is because I I saw Demon Knight last year at Cinepocalypse with the director Ernest Dickerson in attendance, mm-hmm. so I had seen that oh, nice. recently, 
And I've maintained my love of that movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, maybe Bordello of Blood, my viewings of it suffered because I always followed it mm-hmm. from Demon Knight. So that's why I switched it this time. Oh, even though, even though I am kind of a purist as well. And if this was a true sequel, you better believe I would have watched Demon Knight first. Yeah. But it was <laughs> right. more like, let's see how Bordello of Blood does. Because I think it's been at least 15 years since the last time I saw so it. there was some strategy there. there it's got to be close to that. Yeah. And um, I actually... Mine was literally like... Oh, it's first play. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like <laughs> I have that. I probably the same DVD that you guys mm-hmm. have. But um, mm-hmm. I completely forgot. I went to put it in, and I had the slipcase for it, but not the actual case of the DVD mm-hmm. in it, because Adam Krause, who is the director and I co-wrote Gags the Clown with, I gave him mm-hmm. that a year ago to watch, and it occurred to me uh. I never got him back. So, <laughs> oh. so iTunes is going to be like. Who the hell decided to rent both Demon Knight and Bordello of Blood in 2019? I did because I had no other way to watch them. Oh. <laughs> Next time, let me know. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we could have ripped them or gotten a, got them to you somehow. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. Well, that's fine. Well, and since you brought up uh, Adam, you know, last week we talked about. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about some, you know, some more of your stuff. We we talked about pity. And dead weight and some some of your earlier stuff, but right now there's a lot of stuff going on with Gags the Clown. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, which is is really exciting. God, kidding me? Get all this on camera. But earlier this week, we had an unwanted visitor. That's right, a clown. Clown was first spotted one week ago. Images of a mysterious person in a dingy clown suit with black balloons. What can either be seen as an attempt at entertaining citizens or terrorizing them. Well, some find it to be harmless, good-natured fun. Others are troubled. You know he's up to no good. Those original gags photos are just creepy. 911, what's your emergency? Yeah, I was just chased up the stairs to my apartment by a clown. That clown's gonna pop like one of those black balloons. Crazy dude, he's been hunting gags all night. Someone with the intent of killing him? That's a one in a million exclusive. That's worldwide news. This is bigger than we thought. And the feet is cut. Thank God, something exciting to report on in this city. There's a clown in town. He's waiting around. He's waiting around for you. Yeah, there's a clown downtown. He's hanging around. He's hanging around for you. <laughs> this whole damn city is clown crazy. <laughs> Just a guy in a clown suit, right? Yeah, it's it's been great for us. So Gags a Clown is a feature I co-wrote, direct, or I didn't direct. I co-wrote, produced, and edited. And uh, we just got a national release in the beginning of September through Music Box Films. They're partnered up with Bloody Disgusting. Mm-hmm. And so the, the yeah. film is out now on all VOD platforms, and we're getting a Blu-ray release on November 12th. But it's awesome. it's been cool. I mean, we've been doing the festivals for a year and finally got this release coming. But, you know, this was uh, in 2016. There's this clown in Green Bay that showed up on the news. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was actually kind of wild. Fox News is talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, WGN, MSNBC, CNN, LA Times, yeah. New York Times. I mean, it... This was a worldwide We had, we had copycat clowns in Chicago. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and that was all promotion yeah, for my so. friend Adam's short film. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I helped out on it. It was kind of behind the scenes. And for eight days, nobody knew what that clown was there for. 
and what was going mm-hmm. on. And the whole time, there was like seven people that knew who was responsible. And that whole time, I was just like, dude, this is the fucking story right here. Like, we need to make a documentary or something to get this story out. Because now it's not just about this clown, but it's about the way it just blew up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was being covered mm-hmm. everywhere. And it was ridiculous. It was like completely ridiculous is the only way I can describe it. And um, yeah, I remember I was working actually at a news monitor agency oh my God, at the really? time, so my last <laughs> job, and the clown thing, like the amount of coverage in like every market, news market all over the country, like, uh, yeah, it was it was intense. Um, a lot of clown coverage, um, including national news shows, which is crazy. Right. Well, and then even, so last year when we were premiering at Cinepocalypse in Chicago, the day before a premiere, I go to have lunch by myself, and I ended up splitting a table with with two women they were from one was from england and one was from ireland they're doing some traveling in the states mm-hmm. we struck up a conversation and they asked if i was local and i said no i'm down here for work and then they said well what and i said you know i got a film that's premiering and um they asked what it was and before i could even say the title or go in i said well there's this clown that showed up in the news the woman from ireland said you're talking about gags the clown right wow. and i was just like Wow. Yes. And she said Ireland. It was all over the news. It was like for like three or four days they were talking about it. And it was great because she was looking at me like, holy shit, this is a real filmmaker. And I was looking at her like, holy shit, somebody knows something I made. (laughs) (laughs) It was like this this super surreal experience. But that, I mean, that put like gravity towards this whole thing. Sure. And and just... Mm -hmm. The, the weirdest thing is that this wasn't the first time this ever happened. There was, in like 2011 or 2012, there was the Wasco clown in California. And, um, oh, God, is it called like the Brickshire clown or something? There was another one in England. Hmm. And same thing. These clowns just showed up. Pictures went viral. People were talking about it. And when that came up, Adam was like, that's such a great premise for a horror film. And he didn't do anything with it because he was convinced there's going to be like a plethora mm-hmm. of those stories coming out. Yeah. And years went by and nothing did. He was like, oh, maybe I could convince Green Bay that they have this clown problem. And his goal was like 100 shares on Facebook to get 100 people to share those original <laughs> photos. By the end of the first day, August 1st, 2016, I believe it was 13,000 shares. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. So do, do you think... Talk about viral. Do you yes. think that had anything, like, the, the timing of that with... We talked last time a little bit about, you know, the, the new It movies, you know. Right. Do you think that played a role because that was getting... Maybe, because, yeah, because I think It started shooting that summer. Mm-hmm. Summer 2016, I think. So it was when, in the news that it was... Yeah, it was announced. It was definitely announced and it was in the news. And I do remember some of the news coverages. They were just like, is this promotion for that new It movie? You know, so maybe. Mm-hmm. And um, did I can't remember if American Horror Story, if the Carnival one oh, was yeah. out at that point already. I think it was. Yeah. Because that was like season yeah, four. I think it, yeah. 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 So I, to be honest, I don't know if it's just that, like, that's the world we live in now where media is clamoring for anything that could be newsworthy, or if it was the right timing, but something worked. It worked. Yeah. And- <laughs> Little little bit of both, probably. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and so this is something that, so it started as this short film, right? And you guys just put the photos out to see, yeah, see what happens. Yes. And it and it and it, it it got big. And and the the fun thing about it, and I always like to point this out, 
The short film was shot in May, and those photos of the clown in Green Bay were taken in April. And the viral stunt didn't happen until August. So the clown was never on the streets right. ever. And the no, beautiful thing is, is that <laughs> there's so many calls where there's news reports being like, well, the clown is spotted over here. And, you know, we're going to talk to this person that said they saw the clown in the backyard. And, you know, none of this was true. Like, this right. was the beautiful thing about being, like, on the <laughs> inside is you're, you're just watching this. And I just kept trying to convince Adam. I was like you got to make a feature. Like, this is such a big story. Yeah. And the one thing he didn't... Like, all of that is the story at the end yep. of the day. Yeah. And and so. he didn't want to take a 15-minute short and stretch it into 90 minutes because he didn't have an idea for how to do a feature. Mm-hmm. And there was one night I just pitched it to him. I said, you know, I think we got to write a story based around what really happened. And so look at what happened in Green Bay. The cops were on the news every single day. They were getting calls all over the place. The news played such a big part of it, and there were copycats, and there were people that were trying to find gags, and then there was a photo of somebody went to the original location of the gags, was spotted, was spotted, I'm using quotations when I say that, and they took a selfie of them holding a pistol, and they said, if I see that clown, I won't grab a camera, I'll be grabbing this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like the 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 gags Facebook page was getting death threats like all the time like I will kill you if I see you in public I will fucking kill you I will wow. put a bullet in your head and to me I was just like that is such an important part like that somebody yep. wants to to kill this clown or they want to be the the one to find him and put an end to it especially so, when there's nobody actually walking around right when there's nobody walking that. around <laughs> and and I just. I've, I've always really liked films where we have multiple stories that are independent from each other, but also inform each other and kind of motivate one and cross over. And I've been wanting to write mm-hmm. a script like that for so long, but I haven't had the premise. So mm-hmm. on the spot, when I was talking to Adam at a film festival, I was just like, here we go, man. We got these four stories. Think of the movie Trick or Treat and where Sam is the focus of Trick or Treat. All these stories evolve around yeah. him. We do the exact same thing, but it's instead of Sam, it's the clown. And we got the news, we got the cops, we got the copycats, and the headhunter is what we called mm-hmm. him at the time. And I pitched it to him on the spot, yeah, I... and he was just like, wow, that could work. Like, that might be yeah. how we could do a feature. And I think three weeks later, we started writing, and uh, we had myself and my two producing partners, Rob Stern and Sarah Sharp, on board, and, you know. We had a script four weeks later, and we were in pre-production. So, it, yeah. and the cast in this too is pretty great. Yeah, 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 yeah. This so this was uh, I, this is the first time working with people that weren't just friends. And yeah. you mm-hmm. know, we we got Lauren Ashley Carter, who's got a lot of genre credits to her name, like Mind's Eye and Jug Face and Darling, and uh, mm-hmm. um, Evan Gamble, who's in Fear the Walking Dead and The Vampire Diaries. And Trace, and it was also the lead in Shudder's Dead Wax, mm-hmm. which is a, is a pretty cool uh, episodic <laughs> show. And Tracy Perez, who she was on a show East Los High, which uh, I can't even remember what that was on. I think it was a streaming platform, but mm-hmm. it was a pretty. It was kind of like Degrassi Junior High, and yeah. Yeah, 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 you know. And I and I know that did really well. So yeah, it was a it was an interesting ensemble of uh, getting some people together. How how did that come about to to get 
to branch yeah. out from like people yeah. that you know and then and getting that a little bit. Well, we did know. we did the the advantage of this project versus like Deadweight or Pity was that there had already been um, exposure. People were already aware of this this story, mm-hmm. so we kind of used that to our advantage. Where when we reached out to somebody, we called called them. Chances are they knew about this, and they're like, "Oh, these are the people that started yeah. that clown craze." Mm-hmm. Like th- it gave us some <laughs> credibility. Mm-hmm. So with Lauren Ashley Carter, one day we were having a, a meeting, my producing partners with Adam and I, and we said, "Throw out some names of who you would like as Heather Dupre, who's essentially kind of the lead. Mm-hmm. She's the news reporter." And the first name he said was Lauren Ashley Carter and then a couple others. And I had a a few connections with some other known horror actresses. And we said, well, we'll put out some feelers there and we'll find Lauren's manager and just send her the script. And I think two days after she got the script, she said she wanted in and she wanted to do a Skype call because she lives in England. So Mm -hmm. she wanted to call with Adam. And I think within five days we had her. Which was wow. like incredible. Wow! And she, she, yeah. this isn't me to, tooting my own horn, but she said it was all about the script because she's just she's read a lot of scripts and she hasn't really liked anything. And this was an opportunity for her to play a character she's never done. Mm-hmm. She's always like the quiet girl next door, and you know, kind of like innocent. And uh, um, this, you know, Heather Dupre is really snarky and is really vulgar. <laughs> yeah. And that's really what Lauren's like in well, real that's life. Too, that <laughs> when, so we were lucky enough to go to one of the, the screenings at yeah. the, the Green Bay yeah, yeah. Festival. Um, and I had, I had spoken to a couple of people around here who had seen it. Sure. And, and they, were, they were good things about it, but they kept saying how funny it was. Yeah. And I, when you hear that, about a horror film it's one of two things either it is legitimately like a good balance of humor and horror or it's one of those so bad yeah. it's funny and yeah. i didn't suspect that but it was, that's always kind of a ooh, that could be taken two ways yeah right right and oh my god it's hilarious <laughs> yeah 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 it really is and 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 i will say that was one thing we we knew we wanted it to be fun and we knew we wanted there to be humor again because the whole situation is ridiculous. The fact that this was national and worldwide news is absurd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's so much horrible shit that happens in this world, and this is getting covered more than Creepy some of the other things. Craze, like yeah. so ridiculous to yeah. me. So it was important to include the humor, but Lauren and Wyatt Cuther, who plays her cameraman Dale in the movie. Wyatt's local. He lives in Whitelaw, Wisconsin, which mm-hmm. is like small town Wisconsin. They got along so well. And there were multiple times where Adam was just like, do you mind if I let them go off script and they just ad-lib some shit? I was like, no, we need to do that. Yeah. You know, and so they added a lot of humor <laughs> themselves. I wish there's a queef joke in that movie that like gets commented all the yeah. time. <laughs> we didn't write that. That was Lauren ad-libbing. So oh, I nice. wish I wish I could say that we wrote the queef <laughs> joke, but. We did it. <laughs> well, what about the, um, you know, the your your headhunter? Yeah, Aaron character. Christensen. Yeah, yeah, Aaron yeah. Christensen. Now he is he was also in Deadweight. Right? He was in Deadweight. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. So yep. Aaron Christensen yep. plays the role of Charles Wright, who is a, a, a mm-hmm. he's pretty much Trump's America in podcast form, and um, he is a good friend of mine that I met back in 2007 at going to horror conventions, hmm. and he he often helps out our our friend John Kitley, who has a a booth at HorrorCon called Kitley's Crypt where he sells horror books. Mm-hmm. 
And my first short film, Better Off Undead, I just had out on DVD and struck up conversation with them at a convention in Indianapolis. And I just said, can I give you one of my movies to watch? Because I just like talking to you. And uh, I saw him again three weeks later at a con in Chicago. And we've just been really close friends cool. ever since. So when Dead Weight was written, we essentially wrote the role of Thomas in Dead Weight for Aaron. Mm-hmm. And he not only is a friend, but I think he's a terrific actor. And mm-hmm. I just love yeah. working with friends. And so... When we had the, the, the headhunter, as we were originally calling him, I definitely wanted Aaron for that role. But I also knew that, well, if we have the resources, we might go for somebody bigger. You know, like, like get, a, get a big name in yeah. there. And it just kept coming back. We auditioned other people, and nobody was reading that role like Aaron was. And we were just like, fuck it. Alex Jones, Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. 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 And there, there's there's such a satisfaction about getting to work with friends, too. You yep. know? And, and it's just... I, I When writing that character, I definitely saw Aaron in it. And after watching the film, I just do... I think he was the right person for it. Mm-hmm. And and so it was, it was great to get to work with him again. So how yeah. many <laughs> screens is this going to be? You get a... a there's a limited theatrical yeah screen? so admittedly um i don't know what the hell's going on with the limited theatrical we we did so we did a run in chicago it was down at the music box theater for like a week and a half and there's going to be a quick one in De Pere. i don't know if there's going to be more they said that they were going to do more of a limited theatrical but we originally heard 30 to 50 cities and now there's kind of that conversation has kind of come to an end so hmm. Okay. So I don't know. So VOD right now, okay. and then you know the yeah. the Blu-ray and DVD release will be November twelfth. Okay, and and that'll be okay. available, you know, through through online retailers and supposedly Target and Walmart and you know that stuff. Wow. But local stores, oh, nice. go to local stores, and if they don't have it, they'll be able to order it. Yeah. So give them the money. Yeah. That's what I. Your local. Yes. Shop local. Yes. Yes, <laughs> especially around here. I mean, it'd, it'd be kind of a slap in the face to buy your copy of Gags the Clown in Oshkosh, Wisconsin at like Walmart or Target. Yeah, yeah. Like go to exclusive company. Like exclusive <laughs> yeah. can order yeah. it for go, you. Go to exclusive company yeah. or go to. It's probably going to be for sale in just about every business in town. So, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I could see that. Well, congratulations yeah. on the huge like, and I'm saying huge success, but I know it's gonna, it's just gonna keep growing because it's such a good film. I watched it today, by today? the way. Today, wow, just, yeah, wow. <laughs> I just saw it. I, <laughs> I uh, was crunching in the tales from the crypt movies and didn't get those done in time, so I just wanted, really wanted to be prepared for. For this, but I'm, I'm glad I did because I I know what you guys are talking about. So, <laughs> well, cool. Well, thank but you. But it's um, it's it's a lot more than a creepy clown yes. movie for anybody who's interested. But um, that yeah, it's just it's so so cool the way you guys kind of captured that phenomenon, and and it obviously built upon you know <laughs> what could happen if that just really goes off the rails. But um, yeah, it, it's fantastic, and it, it just uh. I highly recommend anybody listening to this. You know, you're, you're listening to a, a podcast where we're talking about the Tales from the Crypt feature film. So I think this is something that surely will be up your alley. Uh, it is definitely worth the three ninety nine. I believe it's it's costing to rent right now on an um, Amazon Prime, and you get that for forty eight hours. So you know, show it to everybody in your family. And, you know, maybe not young. And I and I would say <laughs> because of and you you got Joe, you got to see it at a screening. Mm-hmm. And I do think that this is a great one to watch with people. It and, is. And because there is so much humor to it. Yeah. And it's just, it's, yes. it's yeah. a very reactionary movie. And 
it's so sad. I don't sit in screenings anymore because I've seen this movie way too many times. But, you know, I'll right. sit outside the door at a screening, especially at certain points. And, I mean, it's so satisfying. It's Every screening we've had has played so well, so mm-hmm. incredibly well. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just kind of contagious when you're around a bunch of other people that are laughing and having fun. It's easier for you to. It, it is. I, I need to see it again because... Uh, and I'm sure this has happened uh, in a lot of... I know this happens with comedies in theaters all the time. You know, like people start laughing and you miss the next couple of oh, lines because yeah, right. it keeps going. And, right. And, it, yeah, it was it was, uh, it was was great. It was definitely worth, you know, getting the babysitter and driving to Green <laughs> Day. That's, that's become my new <laughs> metric, like going to a movie. I'm like, was this worth the extra 50 bucks? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm going yeah. to talk yeah. I'm gonna talk with our distributor to see if we can get that on the, the Blu-ray cover. Absolutely <laughs> worth the babysitter and driving to Green Bay. Video junkyard. <laughs> 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 hey, if it gets us on, yes. it's <laughs> If it doesn't, I'm going to make my own cover. Just okay, well, <laughs> I, I do have one more question yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, your, the Head Trauma Productions and yeah. stuff. Origin of Splat's Beer. <laughs> Oregon, origin of Splat's Beer. Okay, so Splat's Beer is a is a fake beer <laughs> that I use in every production of mine. So Splat's only appears in true Head Trauma Productions because I've had other productions ask yep. me to include it, and I say no. And um, so I went to school for graphic design, and... I my one of my favorite things about films is making products and mm-hmm. fake labels and stuff like that. And uh, mm-hmm. it was at one point where I was like, well, you know, if I want to tell movies or make films about Wisconsin stories and stuff, beer is going to come into play. And instead of having to turn a beer where you can't see the label or you know, like scrape the labels off, I was like, I'm just going to make my own. And uh, Splats is a combination of Schlitz, <laughs> Paps. And blats. That's what all is one word. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 fun. I love doing it and sneaking. So it's in Deadweight. It's in Pity. It's in Gags a Clown. And Gags a Clown is the first time it gets said. They actually mm-hmm. say splats yeah. in the film. <laughs> and uh, I've made a Christmas commercial for it. And uh, <laughs> I plan on I plan on doing. I got merchandise at. Uh, oh, this is a great time for a plug. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. At headtraumaproductions.com, I do have splats beer T-shirts. And, you know, eventually we'll get coasters and some bottle openers and stuff like that. But it's just, I'm really entertained by it. Well, that's, that's great. I, I, figured it, I, I figured it was going to be a Blatt Schlitz combination, yeah. but Paps I didn't think yeah, about. The, yeah, the, the P. The, the P, P is, is in there, there. Just, for Schlatz, the, yeah. just for the Paps, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. That's... I, I'm, I'm glad that you uh, <laughs> that you thought you spotted it. And well, and, and there, one of the, I know at least one bar here in town... Reptile Palace. Reptile they, Palace. They have yes. a bottle of it above the bar because we shot a scene in Dead Weight mm-hmm. there. And they're drinking splats. And so that was like the trade-off. Like, you guys can have the bar for the day, but we get to keep a bottle. And that is the only bottle that is not in my possession. Like, oh, I'm, wow. I'm very protective of very it. Protective I'm, sh- very, sh- I'm very protective of <laughs> it. So, my, so is ben, that like the tagline, don't touch my splats? <laughs> uh, the tagline is uh, the beer that tastes just like piss. That is, that is the official tagline. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, that's awesome. Well, John, I want to thank you for for being on here and giving us your insight on the Tales from the Crypt movies and, oh. and sharing. Yeah, uh, thank you. Sharing what's been going on uh, with with your work and with Head Trauma Productions, and that's that's Head Trauma Productions. Yeah, thanks for yeah Head Trauma Productions Yeah, we'll definitely be checking that one. I will throw that link up as well. Yeah, awesome, thank uh, you. And. Yeah. 
Deadweight and Gags the Clown, both available on Amazon Prime, I know, and I think Gags is elsewhere as yeah, well for rentals. Gags is, I know it's on iTunes and uh, DirecTV and Dish and Xfinity, supposedly hitting Google Play and Vudu sometime soon. We're just waiting on that one. But then uh, November 12th will be the Blu-ray release of it. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. That's and that will be available everywhere, but by local as by well. local, yeah. <laughs> so, that's great. If you can, yeah. yes. So, uh, yeah, I strongly encourage anybody who's listening to not only watch as we've been saying before the Tales from the Crypt movies, but also check out uh, stuff through uh, John's work and uh, and Adam's work together uh, with Head Trauma Productions. I strongly recommend uh, Gags the Clown and and Deadweight both. And on Vimo, you can find the short film Pity. We'll be including those. Uh, uh, the the URLs for the links. the links. Thank you, links. That's the word I'm looking <laughs> for. Because uh, I sound like an airline pilot up here. Going, uh, but uh, yeah, and please feel free to drop us a line if you've seen any of these films and want to share your thoughts on them. You can email us at videojunkerpodcast at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at videojunkpod or find us on Facebook on either the regular Video Junkyard Podcast or the Video Junkyard Podcast Facebook group. If you'd love to uh, hear from you, any questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms you are willing to share. Again, and coming up on the Video Junkyard Podcast, we have a um, action-packed couple of months coming. Um, the Halloween special, we're going to look at some uh, young adult or... Um, we say after school special type Halloween movies, as well as some um, lesser known George Romero and Wes Craven films. Uh, we have Flight of the Dragons. We have um, a really great four part series of vintage superhero y films based on old film serials, which uh, is going to round out our year. So lots of fun stuff coming up on the Video Junker podcast. I hope you guys will join us again. Barry Linden in there somewhere, too, at some point. <laughs> ah yes yeah we'll be getting that one in there too but i want to thank everybody for uh checking out the podcast i want to thank john once again for being on the show thank you gentlemen and yes thank you thank john. you Thanks. thank you everybody for listening to the video junkyard podcast i'm joe peterson i'm eric o'branson and i'm john Pata. have a good evening you have been listening to the video junkyard podcast I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear of the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash videojunkyardpodcast on Twitter at videojunkpod and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening, and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard. <laughs>